this is a prepaid call from Joe. Welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker. And I'm your co-host, Anais Lucia. And today's topic is uh, drug use in prison. Uh, so, oh, yeah. Joe, if you want to, you know, get started with... Yeah, uh, I, and this subject is, 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 is something that I've... Um, didn't want to talk about, but I was reluctant because I just didn't want to, you know, put it out there how bad it is in here, particularly at the place that I'm at, uh, because I'm, it's not a situation where I'm like gunning at the institution or gunning at the Department of Corrections, because that's not the case at all, because I do believe that uh, even though I think they can do more than what they're doing, they're doing a lot. You know, in here you got posters up telling people about the, the dangers of drugs, and especially fentanyl. Uh, you, you got uh, people that here that you can go talk to, and those types of things. But we still had in the last month at this institution, we still had like three deaths from overdoses on fentanyl, mm. and we had like, yeah, we had like uh, I'm gonna say maybe ten more people that just OD'd and they were able to bring them back. We're hitting them with that Narcan. But it's it's a bad problem, and I'm, when I'm watching television and I see how bad it is on the streets, I'm thinking that nobody's talking about how bad it is in prison, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons that I wanted to do this show, uh, and it's it's one of the reasons that I wanted to do this podcast. I always want to highlight what's going on mm-hmm. in prison and make sure that people stay in tune and stay aware of. You know, the problems that you're having out there on the streets, particularly in this situation with drug overdoses and opioids, they're going on in prison. The majority of the people in the last, I'm going to say, five or six months that have come to this prison, the majority of them, and I'm going to say like 80, 90% of them, they all have addiction issues. Mm. It's lower tabs, morphine, uh, uh, heroin, uh, fentanyl, you know. It's something, I think they call it like K2 or whatever, something like that. All, all of these types of drugs, that, that's what they're on. And it's, and it's just crazy how bad it is and nobody has, seems to really have a, the answer as to what to do. Like I said, they got posters up and stuff like that, but and they mm-hmm. talk to them, they'll talk to them, but it's hard to get them to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, and this one guy in particular, right, that, uh, that passed away, I'm going to say two or three weeks ago, we call him uh, Six Nine. He's real tall. I mean, super tall. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> he also is a was a mental patient. And he used to come down to the gym where I work. And on on this the week that he passed away, that Monday, I remember talking to him in the gym. And I said, "Why are you still here?" Because he went off for parole and made it. Oh. He said, oh, Joe, I'm just waiting to go home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He said, I'm just waiting to go home. Um, they get my votes back. I'm just waiting. I should be gone in a few days. I said, man, that's what's up, man. I said, man, do good. Don't come back. You know, that kind of thing. And, and, and we went our separate ways. Well, by that weekend, this was on a Monday. By that weekend, he was dead. <laughs> he had passed away. And they were unsure initially as to why he passed away, because he was, like, really high, or whatever they could say. First, they were saying he had a, a reaction to his medication, the psych meds. But he, they had put him in the suicide tank and whatnot, and people that I know that went up there to see him, 
they said he was like standing on the door, just talking out of his head, uh, foaming at the mouth, all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. And then it just totally unresponsive, really. And the next day, he was dead. Wow. And yeah, he was dead. He was dead. And then people saying it was from fentanyl. Now, um, I have a the guy in here that I kick it with all the time. And, and actually, I was trying to get him to do this show this morning, today, mm-hmm. but he backed out on me. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> he, he yeah, he's he didn't want to do it. He he was scared. You know, he was like, who's going to be listening to it? I said, everybody's listening, you know. <laughs> and yeah, and he was like, I can't do that. I can't do that. And, but he has a very bad drug problem, you know, and he's working on it. And uh, I think he's got maybe a month now clean. And I talked to him about these issues, and I'm asking him, like, about 6'9". I said, he was foaming at the mouth. What does that mean? He said, man, look, fentanyl will do you like it. You know, he said, people. some people get high on fentanyl. It don't knock them down, and, and they're out like that, and, you know, and you got to bring them back with narcan. He said he, he, he was probably super high, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and he's foaming at the mouth and really couldn't respond the way you would normally respond when you're not high. And then he said what he did, he probably used some more. You know what I mean? Oh. And to boost it up, and it killed him. You know? And I'm like, dang. I'm like, what would you have to, what do you say to somebody that gets high off of something that is going to, you know, it's a 50-50 whether you die or not on that fentanyl. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And he said, man, I'm going to just keep it real with you. He said, uh, most people that get high, his drug of choice is uh, heroin. You know what I'm saying? And he was telling me most people that get high off the needle, with heroin or an opioid, he said they want to get as close to death as they can, as close to death as they can. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And he said that um, that's probably what happened with him and these other guys that overdosed. The the closer to death they get, the more they want it. And he told me, he said, once they use that fentanyl, without, just straight fentanyl, he said they won't even want the heroin anymore. Won't even want it because it's that strong. It is that strong. And he said, there's really nothing that you can say to somebody like that. He said, you have to make sure that they can't get it. Mm. He said, if they get it or if it's available, they're going to use it. They're going to use it. And I said, well, how have you been able to do it this last month? And he said that it's hard because he's been offered it. And when it's not heroin, what he likes, they offer lower tabs or, or, or morphine appeals and stuff like that right mm-hmm. and he says he's he's not doing it you know that's what he's telling me anyway uh and i've noticed that he started to gain his weight back so i believe him in that regard but he said it's hard he said it's hard because it's a physical pain mm-hmm. uh i've never used any heroin you know what i mean and, but i know a lot of people that have mm-hmm. and it's a physical pain that they go through and he said once you get hooked on it he said you need something mm-hmm. to ease the pain Every day. Every day. Wow. Because most people do. Yeah, it's a tight fight. Have you ever known anybody to be on drugs or anything like that? Um, Not personally. I mean, if they did, yeah. they hid it from me. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, yeah. 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 But I, I was wondering, like, because yeah. you said you haven't. So how have you been able to, like, resist? Because I feel like if so many people are using, it would be hard to, like, resist. or Resist it. Well, me personally, I've never had uh, any kind of desire to do 
any hard drugs. I used to smoke weed. Mm-hmm. You know, I quit smoking weed uh, back in '02. My father, uh, they had called. I think I told the story once before, but I'm so I'm gonna tell it real quick again. But anyway, my father, he was dying, mm-hmm. so they arranged for me to go visit him. And the night that they told me, it messed me up. You know what I'm saying? So me and my celly, we smoked the joint. You know what I'm saying? Actually, we smoked two. And uh, that morning, you know, that night, the police didn't say anything to us. The room is partly cloudy. Smoke is everywhere. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't mm-hmm. like we were trying to hide it. It was like, it is what it is, you know. So that next morning, they came and knocked on the door. I'm thinking I'm getting ready to go to see my father. They told me I had to go take a piss test. And me and my cellar both failed. But then after I failed the piss test, they put me in the van, I mean in the car, and they took me to Nashville to see my daddy. When I got there, uh, it was so tense in the room because my grandmother was there. Uh, I think my brother was there, you know, that kind of thing. But we were in the room, and uh, the police was trying to break the break the ice. And he was like, we're going to tell your daddy what happened. I'm like, man, don't do that. He was like, what happened? I said, man, I failed a piss test. So my mm-hmm. daddy said, look, do one thing for me. I said, what's up? And he said, quit smoking until you get out. And I quit. I haven't touched it since. You know, I told him, I said, do you know how long it's going to be? You know, because I, I like weed, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know how long it's going to be? He's like, yeah, he said, but do that for me. You know what I'm saying? So I did. I quit. And I haven't touched it then, and I don't have any desire for it. And I've never had any desire to uh, use any other drugs in here like that. I just don't have the desire. It's, I think for me, one of the ways that I've been able to resist is like, I do a lot of other stuff. I exercise. Mm-hmm. I focus on other things outside of the prison. But a lot of these guys, when they come in, they got problems. Mm. And then in here, this place, they got real problems. Now, don't get it wrong. I have, too. I have problems, too. I don't, you know, people might <laughs> they might think I got it all together. Mm-hmm. But I have my moments. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But they have those moments, but they don't have the time in that I have. You know what I mean? Mm. They don't have that experience to be able to, find ways to, uh, you know, get that off of them. And, and right now, one of the biggest things in here, in prison, not just this place, is to just smoke it away or shoot some doping and just don't, don't worry about it, you know what I mean? Because it's a hopeless place in here. It's full of mm-hmm. despair, and that's what a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. But I, I, don't, I don't go down that road. I just don't do it. I work out, play ball, uh, read get on the phone, something. You know what I'm saying? I won't do that, though, because I know that, no, no, that's not an option for me. It's not an option. But I'm not judging people that do. Mm-hmm. I, I feel sorry for them because, you know, today, everything that you do is laced with that fentanyl, pretty much. Everything. Um, and you're really gambling with your life. You know what I'm saying? Really mm-hmm. gambling with your life. So I was wondering, like, have you ever seen someone who maybe when they got into prison, they you know, I don't know how, because you said that a lot of them already are into drugs. Like, have you seen yeah. anyone who wasn't in, who hadn't maybe done any drugs, and then while they're in there, they ended up getting into it because it's kind of common there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. One of my uh, uh, friends early on in that uh, incarceration, name Smooth. He won't mind that I mention his name, oh. but uh. He he uh yeah he he was like me he 
he might smoke a joint every now and then, right? Mm. I mean, phenomenal basketball player. This dude was, I mean, phenomenal. So one day, I was, uh, now keep in mind back then, in those days, I sold drugs a lot. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But, <clears throat> so I had my stuff hid, and my cousin, Larry, he won't mind that I mention his name either. Mm. And if he does, it's too late. It's, it's <laughs> what it is. But uh, he knew where my stash was, right? Cocaine. So he got my stash, and he had Smooth in the room with him. He got Smooth smoking crack with him. And I walked in, and I seen him. I could smell it in the air. I put Smooth out, got my stuff from him. Me and him got me and my cousin, we got to fight. We made up after we got to fight. You know, I was more mad that he went in my stash mm. uh, more than I was mad at him for getting my friend on crack. You know what I'm saying? Until I thought about it later on, and then, uh, but yeah, that led to smooth. He went down that road for the next ten or fifteen years, a heavy cocaine user. When he came in, he didn't use that, <gasps> but um. he got on it. Yeah, and and I I know guys in here that um come in here and never in their life touched a needle, never thought that they would even do that. Mm. Young guys, young guys, and they would have some old head in here trying to use them. They don't even see it, trying to use them teach them exactly how to shoot though and i'm like man come on man but by the time they put that needle in their arm that first time they're gone it just happens in here yeah it happens and and another thing that they do in here you know people say well how do they get the needles and where they you know they don't always get them from the clinic or anything like that they'll make a needle in here uh you can take like some people take like an ink pen you know the you know the inside of an ink pen Mm -hmm. that the small part that holds the ink they'll take that and sharpen one end of it down. And they'll get something else to be the pusher, the plunger on the back end. I don't, I can't remember what they used to get on it, but they get something that will push it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how they would do it, but they, I, I've seen them stick that in their arm. Now think about how big that is. Think about how big that is versus oh. a real needle. Yeah. yeah. And they would stick that in their vein. Yeah, I'm telling oh, you now. And push that dope right on up in now. Yeah. It's, it's terrible how... And not just that. I mean, it's a whole lot of other ways. You know what I'm saying? That people do it. But it's terrible how they that addiction mm-hmm. uh, will make you try anything to get that dopey. Wow. It's bad in here. And I just wish that people would. I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. You know what I'm saying? Because they have a, an opioid program in Tennessee, but it's at another prison. I think they need to have an opioid program at every facility mm. in the state. And not just in this state, but every other state, because the problem is a nationwide problem. They need to have opioid facilities. They need to have drug treatment facilities, you know, a unit, a building specifically for that. Instead of people getting in trouble for it, let me tell you what happens when you get caught using drugs in here. Mm-hmm. You get caught using drugs, right? You get a write-up, a disciplinary write-up, right? That means mm-hmm. you're in trouble. You go to the D board. It's like going to court. And when they find you guilty, because your piss test is sent out to a lab, and when it comes back, it has everything that's in your system. It breaks it down. So there's no way to get away. Mm-hmm. If you use drugs, it's in your system, they're going to find it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. From the urinalysis test. Yeah. So when they find you guilty, you go to the hole. You can get anywhere from five days to 20, 30 days, whatever, based off of what your behavior has been, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when you get out of the hole, at this place, you might get shipped to another facility, or you might not. But basically, when you get out of the hole, you just go about your day. Mm-hmm. Go on back to work, wherever, or wherever they put you at. And it's 
back to normal, whatever that means for you. But nothing happens at this facility as far as drug treatment because they don't have a unit for that. You'd have to get transferred to another prison to get treated for your drug problem. And I would imagine that the beds are limited. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. that's what happens to you. And that's, I think that's why the problem is continuing to manifest and grow because you get in trouble for using drugs, you go to the hole, get out of the hole, and it starts all over again. It starts all over again, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that they can do to try to address their problem. They need to figure out a way that they can have, instead of putting people in the hole, it's just like uh, sending, you know, uh, an addict to prison. For what? You're not helping them. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So then when you get them in prison, you're doing the same thing. You just send them to the hole and let them out. Send them to the hole let them out. Mm -hmm. And eventually they're either going to die or they're going to hit bottom on their own. But you're not helping them try to get there. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I think that they need to do that. They don't get yeah. to, like, what is making them kind of why to, to like use in the first place it's they're not getting to like the yeah. cause of yeah not at all not addressing the issue at all and i get it you know the short of staff as it is everywhere i'm what i'm hearing and understanding and corrections this is nationwide so i get that but you can't keep using uh the excuse i'm gonna say which it is a legitimate excuse they are short of staff but you got to figure out ways to fill those gaps. You have to, because if you don't, this problem is going to stay and it's going to get worse and it's going to be generational. You know what I'm saying? You got, I, I'm telling you, I, I know father and son and grandson in prison that all of them are junkies. All of them. Mm -hmm. All of them get high. All of them use the same drugs. All of them. And the father and son that get high, the father Show the son how to shoot, though. Oh. It's crazy. Oh. For real, it's crazy. It's really crazy. But that's the problem. And as bad as it is on the streets, it is that bad in here. Mm -hmm. It is that bad in here. And I wish that more could be done, but we're in that situation where it's, it's hard and uh, a lot of people don't care about us. So, you know. Let them die. You know what I mean? But I wish that wouldn't be the case. Yeah. I wish that wouldn't be the case. But, you know, that's what I wanted to talk about. That's and that's about all I wanted to say on that. And um, unless you got something you want to add, you know, uh, I think this was, uh, I hope this helps somebody. I hope I hope it helps somebody. And I hope that people like it. And uh, um. like I always say, you go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, sorry. Well, there's one question about how, um, yes. kids, do you want to talk about like maybe how the drugs are getting into the facility? Um, you know, before oh, yeah. COVID and I after during COVID. Yeah. yeah, I can address that. How they get in? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, think about it like this: We've been on COVID restriction, right? So mm -hmm. basically, our visits have been restricted. If we do go to visit, we go to visit for one or two hours, and you can't use the restroom, you can't use the vending machine. So it's really not worth the visit unless you really just want to see your people, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. uh, for something serious or whatever, because you got to risk, you know, the COVID issue and all that. So for me, the answer is clear. It's not us bringing it in. It's not our families bringing these drugs in. It can't be because we haven't been going to visit. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And even when we do go to visit, that might be one or two people in the visitation gallery, from what I hear, because I haven't been. Okay. So it's no way it can be the family members. It's no way. So what does that leave? The people that work here. That's all it leaves. Mm-hmm. People that work here. Again, I, look, I'm not gunning at the institution or gunning at the department or anything like that. That's not, that's not the point of this podcast. Mm-hmm. The point of this podcast is to try to deter crime and keep people from coming here and keep people from choosing this lifestyle. But the truth is the truth in this issue. The issue is that drugs are coming into the prison through the people that work in the prisons. And I'm not going to judge the reasons that they do it, but most of the time they do it because they don't make enough money. Some of them do it out of greed. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? And, and uh, which I think that's a shame too. Uh, but I think they should pay these people more. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. should pay these people more, take that incentive away from them even wanting to do that. You know, some people, it wouldn't matter how much you pay them. Some people just want to do that. And then you do have, I'm not going to ignore the fact, you do have uh, other ways that they get in. You got people that work at the prison, like inmates that are working as trustees, and they go outside the facility and they might have somebody come and throw a pack somewhere and then they pick it up and then they bring it in. You know, that kind of thing. But that, again, to me, is a lapse in security because when they come back in, they're supposed to get strip searched and all this and that. But, you know, it is what it is on that. Uh, but the problem is still, you know, you, you got to stop those drugs from coming in. And for the for those individuals that do get high and get on them or whatever, you got to have treatment. You can't, I don't believe you should just have treatment at one facility for the whole state or two facilities for the whole state. The bed, there's only a certain amount of beds, but you got a problem that's bigger than the amount of beds that you have available for the treatment. So you should have treatment facilities at every facility. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you'll go a long way with that and not just punishing people. You're not going to punish the addiction out of people. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen, you know. So unless you have another question, you know, because that sounds good to me. Um, yeah, I think I'm I'm good as well. I think we, you okay. know, you provided a lot of great uh, information. Okay. So what I'm going to do is, like, it's what I say, if you like the episode, the first thing I want to do is thank you, uh, Anna East, for co-hosting. If you like the episode, I'm saying out there, please share it, listen to it, share it. And if you really like it, donate. I ain't turning down nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for using GTL.